Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you will hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as um, simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Hello, 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 everyone. This is Rob Wolf. Welcome to episode number 98 of Unfermettable. We take a look at some of the less heralded myths in our beloved franchise's quirky history, because to us, everyone who dons the orange and blue is in some way unformidable. The Mets recently played a series in Oakland, and will soon be on their way to Atlanta for a big series with the Braves in September of 2022 as we record this. Um, and Howie Rose had mentioned something during the Mets-Oakland series, and it put me in mind of someone who played for only the Braves and the Mets in a career, sadly cut short by arm problems, but was a prominent figure and a controversial figure in a way at the time in the 1973 World Series where the upstart Mets took on the dynastic Oakland A's, the unformidable George Stone. George Hurd Stone Jr. was born on July 9, 1946 in Ruston, Louisiana. Stone went to Ruston High School, which was primarily known as a football school back then. It produced multiple gridiron stars, including quarterback Burt Jones and future Pro Football Hall of Fame defensive end Fred Dean. But at Ruston, Stone, a great athlete, made his mark in basketball and baseball. In fact, while he starred with the bat and as a pitcher in high school baseball, it was really, in fact, in basketball where he flourished at the time earning a basketball scholarship to play under legendary coach 
and former minor league baseball player Scotty Robertson at Louisiana Tech University, where Stone played alongside a future basketball Hall of Famer in Leon Barmore. But he didn't give up in baseball, uh, continuing as a two, obviously, probably, continuing as a two-sport star, um, and it was baseball, of course, where his future would ultimately lie. In 1966, the lefty delivered a no-hitter en route to a 1.49 ERA, so it was perhaps not a surprise that he was drafted by the Braves in the fifth round of the 1966 amateur draft, making him the first ever player from Louisiana Tech drafted in the major leagues. Mature for his age, talented, but also with great control and pitching acumen, especially for a young player, Stone excelled in the minors and moved through the system very quickly. Uh, He was the youngest player on his Class A team where he was assigned after being drafted, compiling an 8-2 record with a 2.25 ERA in 80 innings, uh, averaging over a strikeout or inning, and surrendering only three home runs in those 80 innings at the tender age of 19. Stone then impressed the Braves brass at spring training, and while he didn't earn a spot in the Majors, he was put on the fast track and actually uh, was called up in May of 67 when a pitcher went on the DL, though he didn't get any action uh, before being returned to the minors. But he had another very strong minor league year progressing through AA and AAA to get the proverbial late season September call-up. So he had turned 21 during the minor league season uh, in July and made his major league debut at the age of 21 on September 15th of 1967. He would enter that game in the eighth inning with the Braves trailing 4-1, to one, and it was not an ideal Major League debut. Uh, he got his first batter, Billy Williams, to pop out, but he then surrendered a triple to Ron Santo, followed by two singles before getting pulled. Uh, the inherited runner scored, giving him a one-third of an inning, three-earned run debut. He'd have to wait two weeks to get a second chance, a proverbial second chance, a second appearance on a Major League mound on September 29th of 1967. This time he would get a start against the World Series-bound St. Louis Cardinals and would only be matched up against the great Bob Gibson in his starting debut in Game 160 of the season. And while Stone took a no decision, he showed his guile and his guts and his talent, uh, and his ability to rise to an occasion, which he thought he could do later as a Met. Spoiler alert. Uh, Taking a no decision in a duel with Gibson where he went seven innings, allowing one run, scattering five hits, one walk, and five strikeouts. I have to say, a very successful Major League starting debut for a 21-year-old, even if his team would go on to lose in the 10th inning. Stone would start 1968 in the minors, but come up pretty much for good in July of 1968, making 17 appearances over the second half of the season for Atlanta, including 10 starts. He'd earned the first win of his major league career in relief on July 26th of 1968. He came into a game with the Braves down 3-0 in the seventh inning, uh, through two innings of one-run ball, surrendering a home run to... Don Locke of the Phillies, but the Rays would rally for five runs in the eighth and ninth innings, making a winning pitcher of Stone. It would be his second start of the year, though, um, on 
August the 7th of 1968, where Stern would get, Stone would get his first starting win of his major league career, going the distance, um, nine innings, six hits, two earned, one walk, five strikeouts, and outdueling Ken Holtzman of the Cubs. Uh, outdueling is a strong term since the Braves won 10 to two. Uh, for good measure, though, Stone went two for three with a run scored and three RBIs in the game uh, to contribute with the bat as well as the arm, as it were. As mentioned, I know a lot of players start as both hitters and pitchers in high school, but Stone remained a good hitter through his career. Uh, he hit 212 as a pitcher, uh, 487 OPS, uh, one homer and 39 RBIs over his uh, career. Stone was, of course, 22 at the start of that season, turned 23 during the season, uh, and looked good over the last nine starts uh, over the latter half of the season. Uh, the Braves had a lot of good young pitching at the time and considered gambling with the young player uh, and with the expansion draft coming up, uh, but ultimately chose to keep him, afraid that San Diego or Montreal would pounce on a young left-handed hurler uh, in the expansion draft as they believe made a lot more capable players available in the 69 expansion draft than they did in 62, unfortunately, for our beloved Mets. But Stone definitely had some promise. He had developed a reputation as someone with a sneaky fast fastball whose success stemmed from two different change-ups and a slider, which made his fastball play up. Having a hard time thinking of a comp for Stone, although interestingly, uh, looking at similarity scores on baseball reference, uh, the most similar pitcher to Stone by age in the last couple of years of his career in 27 and 28 was Jonathan Neese, which is not a terrible uh, comp, I don't think, for, I want to say skill level, but, you know, well, it's a similarity score, achievement level, uh, comparability. Uh, his The most similar pitchers to Stone in his career include uh, some pitchers such as Atlee Hamaker and Alex Cobb or some who are high uh, comparisons to Stone. You know, pitchers who are never going to be aces but can certainly flash at times. At any rate, by late April of 69, Stone had earned his way back into the Braves' uh, rotation, and he would really vacillate between starting and relief throughout the 69 season for a team that was bound for the National League Western Division title. Stone would appear in 36 games over the season, making 20 starts, uh, going 13-10 and 10 with a 3.65 ERA, 165 innings pitched, 102 strikeouts. Some of his highlights from that year included carrying a no-hitter into the seventh inning on June 14th against the Pirates and hitting his only career home run, which happened to provide the winning runs in a 4-3 win on September 12th against the Astros. Stone would make only one appearance in the 1969 NLCS, that in Game 3, he came into a game that the Mets led 5-4 in the fifth inning with a man on second after a Cleon Jones double. Ken Boswell singled Jones home, uh, although Stone would get out of the inning without further damage. But in the top, in the bottom of the sixth, pardon me, he would give up a leadoff double to Jerry Grody, who would come around to score. Stone would get 
Harrelson out on a sacrifice bunt, uh, but the run would go on Stone's ledger when Cecil Upshaw would come in and surrender an RBI single to Tommy Agee to make it 7-4. to four. The Braves would get nothing more off of Nolan Ryan in his seven innings of stellar relief of Gary Gentry as the Mets would complete the sweep of the inaugural NLCS three games to none over the Braves at Shea. Stone would get one more crack at the playoffs uh, in his major league career in 1973, this time as a Met. Uh, One crack too few, according to both he and some of his teammates. Stone would be pretty up and down for the Braves the next couple years. In 1970, he would go 11-11. He would throw a career-high 207 innings and make a career-high 30 starts, uh, nine complete games, uh, all career highs as probably his second-best season of his career, aside from his really impressive 1973 with the Mets, Uh, but still a bit uneven and definitely had a downturn in the second half, but he was still a young lefty, uh, so Stone, which would happen multiple times over his career, I guess uh, he must have been seen to have a lot of promise, uh, though would often be offered in trades uh, for players that turned out to have better careers. Of course, Stone did struggle with injuries, uh, but at any rate, during that offseason of 70, the Braves reportedly were offered future Hall of Famer Don Sutton uh, by the Dodgers for Stone, but turned it down. Uh, hoping the young lefty would develop further. 71 uh, turned out a little like 70 for Stone, where he started off very strong, but uh, started to have arm trouble later in the 71 season. In August, uh, at one point he was among the league leaders in ERA with a 2.76 ERA, uh, but struggled horribly with arm problems uh, to end with a mediocre line, and of course now the dreaded thing for any pitcher being potential arm problems. 72 started off on a high note for Stone as he had gotten married in the offseason, technically in December of 71. Uh, It's a high note personally, and he had an excellent spring training, but it didn't carry over into the season. Uh, He struggled both uh, unusually for him with his control somewhat, and struggled just with his performance, going 6-11 in 1972 with a 5.51 ERA. He had never walked more than 2.2 batters per nine innings, and that year he shot up to 3.6 batters for nine innings. Uh, Perhaps the lingering arm problem still bothered him, but by now Stone would be turning 26 before the 73 season, was having a number of arm problems, and uh, the Braves, who had a lot of pitching problems that year, in addition to Stone, uh, decided in the offseason to try and bring in Pro- Gary Gentry and Danny Frisella from the Mets in exchange for Stone and all-star second baseman Felix Mian. Uh, of course, is one of the better trades in Mets history. Uh, Mian you know, became quite the beloved Met, um, and at the time, many people reported Stone as a throw-in Uh, in the trade, Uh, but uh, Yogi Berra and particularly his pitching coach Rube Walker reportedly were high on stone. Uh, Yogi said that Walker believed he can change him a little, thinks he has good stuff, and he could make him a winner. And stone would indeed be a winner at the New York Mets in 1973. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. 
That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and, not as uh, simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Turns and conditions apply. The Mets were, of course, still known for their pitching in 73, led by Seaver and Kuzman and young John Matlack. Uh, but Stone would take his place as the fourth man in that rotation during the 73 season, and a key overachieving one at that. It was a pitching-driven team. Seaver, Kuzman, Matlack were the top three for the team in war. Uh, Wayne Garrett uh, was next at 4.3. And then, what? Uh, and again, the trade reaping immediate dividends, Felix Mian and George Stone, both good for 3.2 war, according to baseball reference for the 73 Mets. Again, Stone probably looked more like a throw-in, pitching depth to most at first. He did not start the season in the rotation and, in fact, made um, five relief appearances, including getting a save, Uh, before the game that would kind of turn his season around or make him a more prominent piece for the Mets. That coming on May 24th of 1973 at Dodger Stadium, uh, when Stone would come in in the 13th inning of a game that was tied, of course, at three. And Stone would go on to hurl six scoreless innings. Uh, Charlie Huff, future Met pitching coach, would match him for five of those. Uh, but the Mets would ultimately touch up Doug Rao for four runs in the top of the 19th inning. Jim McAndrew would come on for the save. Stone, by the way, came on in relief of Tug McGraw, who had thrown five scoreless innings. Uh, So impressive bullpen work, as it were. That would be Stone's first win as a Met, and it would thrust him more into the radar, and he would soon get a crack at the starting rotation, and he would not look back that season. His first two starts were losses, uh, two quality starts. Again, it was not an offensive juggernaut of a team. Uh, He would make his first start as a Met at San Diego against the Padres, uh, going six innings, giving up three runs and five hits. Uh, but losing three to nothing. Uh, the next start would be at home against the Giants, where he would go six innings and surrender two runs, and fall to one and two on the season. Um, from that point on, Stone would go twelve and one as a starter for the Mets. His first win as a starter on June seventeenth of nineteen seventy three against the Padres. Uh, he would take a three to one decision over the Padres, going seven and a third innings, surrendering four hits and four walks and five strikeouts, and earning his second win of the year. Again, he would just take off from there. After that, he would win eight decisions in a row from August through the end of the regular season, uh, during which he would hurl three complete games and pitch into the eighth inning or beyond seven times in total. On July 14th, in a preview of what will become that season's NLCS, uh, Stone would outduel Don Gullett in the Reds. Uh, The Mets would win 5-2 in Riverfront Stadium against the young baby Big Red Machine. 
in front of 36,166. You wouldn't have known it would be an LCS pre- be an NLCS preview, given that it raised the Mets' 1973 record to a mere 38 and 48. But of course, the NL East would be quite the quagmire that season. Striking out seven over eight strong innings in Cincinnati against that offense, one of the more impressive starts of just an incredibly impressive stretch for Stone. In an NL East, in an NL East that was decided by a razor-thin margin, Stone was a huge piece uh, as he he went 4-0 and over five starts in the month of September as the Mets went 20-8 and to eke out a division title with their 82-79 and record. While his best pitched games in that stretch were probably his first two starts in September, uh, September 1st against the Cardinals, where he went seven innings, striking out eight in a 4-1 victory, or September 9th, where he held the Montreal Expos scoreless uh, over seven and two-thirds innings, scattering 11 hits in a 3-1 victory for the Mets. Most likely the most crucial victory was September 19th at Pittsburgh, where the Mets would pull within a game and a half of the first-place Pirates. The, the Pirates had dropped to 75-74 and 74 with the loss. The Mets were 75-77 and 77 as Stone outdueled Nelson Bryles, and the Mets defeated the Pirates 7-3 to three at Shea. Pardon me, I thought that game was on the road, but it was at Shea. But take over first place and make the playoffs the Mets would with that 82-79 and 79 record, and would go into the NLCS as huge underdogs to the Big Red Machine, and things didn't look much better when uh, Tom Seaver lost Game 1 to the Reds 2-1, to one, uh, but the Mets would bounce back behind a John Matlack shutout in Game 2, and Jerry Kuzman would throw a great game in Game 3, which was, of course, marked uh, the first game at Shea in the series, and, of course, was marked by the brawl between Buddy Harrelson and Pete Rose. So it was a feisty, combative Game 4 of the NLCS where the Mets had a chance to close it out, against the Reds. Stone got the start against Fred Norman, uh, although Don Gullett would again oppose him, coming in to pitch four innings of scoreless relief. Stone would be excellent against the Reds, going six and two-thirds innings, allowing three hits and only one run, two walks and four strikeouts. Uh, Tug McGraw would provide four and a half, four and a third innings of scoreless relief thereafter, uh, but Ultimately, the Mets would lose in 12, Harry Parker taking the loss. But Stone had acquitted himself incredibly well and continued his excellent pitching and proved that he belonged in a rotation in the playoffs, or so it seemed. Seaver would pitch the Mets to victory in Game 5, making them one of the more unlikely World Series participants in memory. They would take on the Oakland A's dynasty in what seemed to be an incredible mismatch, but perhaps fatefully, uh, Yogi would pitch Stone out of the bullpen in what turned out to be a tense, taut, uh, seven-game World Series. Mets would stick with Seaver, Kuzman, and Matlack to start, and Stone would pitch out of the bullpen, getting two appearances and pitching well, uh, but fatefully not starting Game 6 when he was originally slated to. After the A's took Game 1, 2-1, to one, with John Matlack getting outdueled by Ken Holtzman, uh, the Mets and the A's split two extra inning games on uh, in Game 2 in Oakland and Game 3 at Shea. The Mets evened the series in Game 4, 6-1, to one, uh, again behind Matlack. And then in Game 5, Kuzman would fire a shutout against the A's, 
uh, six and a third shutout innings. McGraw pitched the last two and a third. The Mets left Shea uh, three games to two ahead of the heavily favored A's. So the Mets had a three game to two advantage. Stone was originally slated as the game six starter, but Yogi Berra clearly was considering starting Tom Seaver in game three uh, on three days rest in game six, thinking he would then have John Matlack to start on three days rest in game seven if it came to a game seven. Stone strongly believed he should have started, uh, should have had a shot at starting. He was, as he noted, he was a hot pitcher down the stretch, and he strongly believed he was the kind of pitcher who gave a team like Oakland trouble, as the A's were notorious free swingers, and Stone was a control finesse pitcher, you know, who believed he could outsmart them, junk ball them, you know, basically Harris from Major League to death, I guess. According to legend, not only did uh, Stone think he should start the game, but many Mets did as well. Uh, supposedly Rusty Staub, Cleon Jones, and some others went to Barra, suggesting that they thought Stone should start. Um, you know, that then the Mets would have not only Seaver on full rest, but Kuzman and Matlack out of the bullpen in a Game 7. But it was to no avail, and probably one of the great what-ifs in Mets history. Seaver got outdueled by Catfish Hunter, 3-1 to one in uh, Game 6. Uh, Seaver surrendered two in seven innings. Tug McGraw surrendered the last run. Then Matlack really didn't have it on short rest the next day, putting the Mets in an early 4 nothing hole they would not recover from, uh, where they would lose the game 5-2 and lose the series in a tight, sad, unfortunate seven games. Uh, that'll insult to injury. Stone pitched two excellent innings in Game 7, striking out the side in the bottom of the 7th after allowing a pair of singles and then pitching a scoreless 8th. Uh, though the Mets would only get one run closer uh, than 5-1, losing 5-2, as noted. On the whole, Stone continued his excellence from 73 into the playoffs, throwing nine and two-thirds innings uh, for the Mets in the 73 playoffs, surrendering seven hits, walking three, striking out seven. But it's those innings that he didn't pitch that many Mets fans of a certain generation will always wonder about. Stone's other appearance in the World Series, as should be noted here in save in Game 3 of that World Series, which was a wild 12-inning game. The A's tied in the bottom of the ninth. Tug McGraw threw six innings of relief. Uh, the Mets scored four in the top of the 12th, and when the A's threatened in the bottom of the 12th, off of a surely exhausted McGraw, who surrendered a triple to Reggie Jackson and walked Gene Tennis, Stone came in and gutted his way out of that bottom of the 12th, allowing one inherited run to score, but closing it out for the victory. So you can see, perhaps, why Stone was held in high regard by the Mets after that 73 season. Once again, Stone was a hot commodity on the trade market. Uh, the Mets were reportedly offered Joe Torre, Jim Wynn and Paul Blair in uh, separate trades, obviously, for Stone during that offseason. Uh, the Mets, as noted, were entirely built on pitching and had a pretty weak offense. Uh, Mets GM Bob Sheffing faithfully said, we won with pitching, I'm not going to break up this pitching staff. can certainly understand the sentiment, but unfortunately, Stone's arm problems recurred and would really short-circuit his career. 
he would pitch in 74 and 75 for the Mets, uh, making only 15 and 13 appearances in those seasons and having an ERA over five in each season. Stone was having problems with his rotator cuff and, you know, in an era where, uh, you know, never good for a pitcher, but an era where that was potentially career-threatening, and in this case, sadly, it was. In spring training of 76, the Mets traded Stone to the Texas Rangers, uh, but Stone opted to retire rather than continue throwing his last major league pitch before he reached the age of 30. For his career, Stone went 60-57 and 57 with a 3.89 ERA, 203 games, 145 games started, uh, through 1,020 and two-thirds major league innings, walking 270, striking out 590. Uh, he recorded five career shutouts, 24 complete games, five shutouts, and five career saves. And then, of course, one more save in the playoffs. As a Met, Stone went 17-13 and 13 with a 3.86 ERA, over 286, uh, 282 innings pitched, pardon me. And, of course, those additional nine and two-thirds innings in the playoffs. He uh, returned to northern Louisiana in his retirement uh, with his wife. They had two children and four grandchildren. And Stone became a both a teacher and a coach in his retirement. In 2013, he was inducted into the Louisiana Tech Athletic Hall of Fame. And he'll always be remembered fondly as a Met for an amazing season and an amazingly frustrating what-if an interesting, memorable career. Uh, one interesting footnote I saw is that Stone is one of three big leaguers who was able to call both Willie Mays and Hank Aaron a teammate. Uh, Aaron, obviously, in 69 with the Braves, and Mays in 73 with the Mets. Truly an unformidable career. Thanks for taking the time to listen to Unformidable. Please go to AmazingAvenue.com for more Mets-related content. Follow Amazing Avenue on all your socials, and look for this and all of our Amazing Pods wherever you get your podcasts. Original music by Bunga. I'm on Twitter at WolfRR, and the show is at Unformidable. Thank you, and as always, let's go Mets!